Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. Good morning, lovely friends. I am here with Dr. Mary and we are super, super excited for multiple reasons. But today is the one year anniversary of our podcast. Good morning, Dr. Mary. How are you today? Hi, Dr. Lucy. Feeling pretty happy, feeling pretty proud. We've been doing this every week for a year. A year. I know. I, I think it is. Yeah, I'm impressed with ourselves. And I guess it is that concept of consistency that we talk a lot about in our various coaching programs. But yes, day in, day out, no breaks. One year we've managed to string it all together. So yay us because, you know, we love to celebrate victories no matter what. Absolutely. Yep. I'm feeling proud of us. And it's been very fun. This podcast adventure has been Oh, I think way more than I ever thought it would be. It's reaching lots of people. It's, I think, spreading the word and helping us, I guess, fulfill what we want to do, which is, you know, empowering people to uh, reclaim their health so that they can live their best lives and chase their dreams. And it's been super fun doing it with you. Oh, thank you, you gorgeous girl. And I would just like to thank our listeners too for, you know, spending their precious time listening to us bang on about low-carb real food. <laughs> I am excited by today's topic. So, Lucy, please tell us some more. We have part two of our series, Complicated Basics, to discuss. And I think you're going to love it because the topic that we're discussing really is what's the big deal with sugar? This is really the crux of, and it's why we're calling it, what's the big deal with sugar? Because for a lot of people, they will say, you know, what is the big deal with sugar? Surely it's okay. And I guess in in simple terms, a little bit is okay. Our body can cope with things, but it's all, you know, the devil is in the detail and often the quantity as well. So today we're going to talk about some complicated basics. So what is sugar? What does it do to our body? What is the big deal and what can we do about it in short terms? So I guess, Mez, if you would like to explain to our listeners, you know, when we use the word sugar, I mean, most people think of white table sugar or brown sugar. What exactly is sugar? Yeah, so sugar is a a group of carbohydrates that are made up of, you know, one or two little monosaccharides, it's called. Most sugar that we consume is table sugar is made up of two individual little units of sugar, glucose and fructose in equal amounts. So it's a little glucose attached to a little fructose and that is table sugar. But also just all starches, you know, bread, rice, potato, pasta, they're made up of long chains of glucose all linked together and our bodies break down the starch in a potato, for example, really, really quickly. And in fact, actually in our saliva, it's kind of gross, but if you held some mashed potato in your mouth and didn't swallow it, it would actually start to turn sweet. And that's because the enzymes in your saliva are breaking down the starch in the potato to sugar. So it's literally turning to sugar inside your mouth. So starches basically break down to sugar as well. So the main sort of sources of our dietary sugars is sweet stuff and starches. 
So it's interesting because we often use this phrase of, um, you know, your your sweet savouries, <laughs> you know, or your savoury sugars to describe potato rice, all of those sorts of things. Because when we talk sugar, people will think of, you know, table sugar, lollies, anything that is sweet and not necessarily your savoury things. I think people will often, if we're describing carbohydrates, people will think carbs might be the potato bread and rice and that sugar is something separate, but it's all the same. Yeah, and and all carbohydrates become sugar with the notable exception of dietary fibre. Yes. So I guess if we want to be really strict on the terms, we would be calling it glucose, fructose. There is galactose, but I think we'll leave that out for this session. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, lactose is, uh, yeah, no, yeah, galactose we get from, um, from milk. Yeah, that's right. It's, yeah, <laughs> we can include it and now ignore it. <laughs> because most of what we are, the most important sort of um, factors that we are discussing today relate to glucose and fructose that you and I, Lucy, insist on pronouncing differently. Oh, we do. I know. Maybe different <laughs> sides of the bay. Yeah. I'm, fr- what am I? I'm fr- fr- fructose. Yeah. I'm you're a fructose, fructose yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. fructose. I'm yeah, fructose. I'm, yeah. 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 I, I have a theory actually. I think that could be because of our slightly different training. So you, you did medical training first and I did science training first. Yes. And I have noticed on multiple occasions that scientists and doctors pronounce the same words differently. Um, there's lots of like umbilicus, umbilicus, belly button, um, allele or allele, sort of, you know, describing a gene type. It's quite funny. It is. It's interesting, actually. That's that's interesting because my daughter is doing vet training and I call it respiration. No, now I can't even remember what it is. Respir- I call it respiratory. What's the other way to say respiratory? Respiratory? Yes, respiratory that's it. Respiratory? Yes, yeah. yes, that's it. So I call it respiratory and she calls it respiratory. <laughs> what? <laughs> but that I think is her vet training. I love it. So all these little linguistic little cultures within veterinary science, science and medicine. It's great. At least we can understand each other. Yes, Even if we absolutely. quietly think the other person is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to the topic at hand, glucose. Mm. Sugar? Yeah, sure. Glucose. Let's call it glucose to keep, I guess, just to keep our listeners, you know, from being confused because, again, people interchange and medicine will do it too, blood glucose levels, blood sugar levels. When we're talking blood sugar levels, we really mean glucose. We don't mean there's no way to measure blood fructose levels. So when we're talking anything to do with blood sugar or our sugar levels or our diabetic control, we're actually talking glucose. We are indeed. Yep. Okay. So in excessive quantities, more than our bodies can safely handle, glucose and fructose do lots of things. One really, really, really important way in which excess glucose and fructose damage our bodies is through a process called glycation, which is something that actually everybody here is familiar with. If you've ever cooked a piece of steak and watched it go brown, then you've seen glycation in action. And if you've noticed that when you marinate the steak in some sort of, you know, sugary, sweet kind of a, a marinade that's got excess sugar in it, that it that it sort of browns even easier. That whole process has been given a name called the Maillard reaction, which is basically browning, browning. Mm. And yeah, and the Maillard reaction 
happens inside us and it's an incredibly important process that when it's done to excess in the presence of excess dietary glucose and fructose in particular, it causes harmful compounds that are associated with all kinds of chronic illnesses and premature aging. Mm. So if I'm to get this correct, Maillard reaction requires glucose or, or glucose and fructose and some heat. Would that be right? So our body heat. And a protein. And a protein. Radio. Or fat. Yep. Okay. So as a real life example, if we look at bread, so bread's got lots of glucose in it because it's a starch. And if you just have it sitting around at room temperature, it goes a bit crunchy, but it doesn't change color. If you put it in a toaster, so you heat it, it goes brown. So that would be part of your Maillard reaction. And then if you take bread that's higher in sugar, so like a fruit bread, and you put it in the toaster for the same amount of time, I'm sure we've all done this in the days when I used to eat fruit bread, it burns. So you, you know, to stop your fruit bread burning, you have to toast it for a much shorter amount of time. And the reason that it burns is because of the increased amount of glucose and fructose in it. Correct. Yes, exactly. So what is happening there is glycation and the formation of um, adding your body when glycation goes on to an unhelpful degree. You get the accumulation of these advanced glycation end products. And that is the main thing I wanted to talk about today is advanced glycation end products or AGEs. And this is one of the main ways in which excess sugar consumption is harmful to our bodies. So AGEs are these harmful compounds that are produced when a protein or a fat combines with a reducing sugar, that is either glucose or fructose. They're, they're highly reactive compounds, glucose and sugar. They're actually kind of quite dangerous and they, they combine in harmful ways to the proteins and fats in our body, in our, in our blood, in the cells and proteins of our blood. And if this process sort of is allowed to go on, it can cause this irreversible damage to these um, proteins and fats that can cause all kinds of damage to our cells and tissues. And it's been implicated in atherosclerosis, like the formation of of plaques in our arteries that um, results in heart attacks and strokes, certainly ageing, definitely ageing, as well as metabolic disease and diabetes. We use glycation as a measure of diabetic control. And lots of you will have had this test. It's called your hemoglobin A1C. And it is normal for some glucose to attach to a hemoglobin protein. For most of us, that's around about 5 to 5.3 or 4%. But once it goes over that level, that's a marker of the harm that the glucose will do to our body. Yes, yeah, it is. It's basically a marker of, of how much Maillard reaction is going on in your body. So yeah, we humans have known since ancient times, since you know our Neolithic ancestors first started using fire to cook food, we've realised that if you apply heat to food, you can change its colour and its taste. It will go brown. This is not, this is not like a new thing. But it was the French chemist, Louis-Camille Maillard, who was the first to outline <laughs> the chemical reactions. I know, yeah, I'm sure. 
sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly. No, no, no. Anybody no. out there speaks French, I apologise sincerely. Um, but he was the first one to characterise the actual steps that went through this process of browning, these steps, and um, it was called the Maillard reaction in his honour. But then in the 1960s, scientists started looking at you know, a real-life Maillard reaction that's going on inside people with diabetes and high blood sugar. And they came up with the term glycation. And glycation is basically the damage by sugar, by reactive sugar compounds, namely glucose, but also fructose, to our proteins and fats in our body. And they measured this one by the damage to the hemoglobin molecule in our blood, which is the HbA1c. So an HbA1c is a marker of early glycation. And it is a marker of how well your diabetes is controlled as well. How much damage is occurring to your blood sugar? You can measure this with the HbA1c and we can see how well your diabetes is controlled. Absolutely. So the other interesting thing that we were talking about just before we came on air mails is this in the advanced glycosyl... What are they called again? Advanced... Glycation. Glycation. Advanced glycation end products. Glycosylation is another enzymatic reaction that occurs in our body all the time, but it's just slightly yes. different to glycation. Yep. You can see how confusing it is, folks. Luckily, we have the biochemist here to help me out. So the AGEs, the Advanced Glycated End Products, Endpoints, we were saying, or you were saying, that this can cause ageing of our skin. Can you explain that a little bit to us? Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's the harmful accumulation of AGEs that is the problem. And they are a natural and normal part. We're always making some of them, but our bodies can normally and naturally detoxify them. And um, we have ways of both preventing AGE production and then dealing with them once they have, when our bodies are in a normal sort of natural balance. But when this balance gets out of whack for a few reasons, including excess carbohydrate intake, then they can accumulate and um, and accumulating in the skin, in the collagen of our skin, they can damage the collagen, which sort of provides the, the structure and the plumpness to our skin. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why we get wrinkles. And it's interesting how aged somebody looks on the outside is an indicator of how aged they are also on the inside because what is happening with these N-glycation products in our skin is also happening with these N-glycation products everywhere else within our artery walls, within our brain, within our entire bodies. Mm. Yeah, I find that fascinating. And it's really interesting. And I don't know whether, you know, lots of people will say to me, oh, you know, you've got such lovely skin. <laughs> of course, I'm there glowing. You do have beautiful skin. Yeah, but I actually think it is because I, well, no, I don't know if it is because I don't eat sugar because having said that, I did eat a, an awful lot of sugar early on in my life. So maybe I'm just lucky. But there could be that. Genetics definitely plays an intake. Your sun exposure is, a, is another thing. There's sort of, there's a, there, ageing is, there are multiple hallmarks of ageing. Uh, I think last time I was, I looked into this seriously, which is somewhat recently, there are at least sort of nine hallmarks of biochemical ageing that anti-ageing scientists are looking at. Uh, so advanced end glyc- advanced glycation end products, AGEs, even I have trouble saying it, uh, is just one of them. So let's go back to how, so this, I know it's complicated basics, but I think it could be useful if we sort of take a little step back and, and really think about how these are formed to really try and cement with our beautiful listeners about what our recommendations are going to be at the end. So there's kind of two ways that we get these advanced glycation end products. The first one is glycation, and that's primarily caused to elevated blood 
glucose and excess blood fructose consumption. And that is when this sugar reacts with the protein or the fat and it's at first, it's sort of a reversible process and, and if it's just happening a little bit, our body can kind of cope with it. The process goes on and on over several weeks. The damage becomes more and more reversible. And then those damaged proteins then go on and cause more damage to other proteins. And you can get this accumulation of these damaged proteins and fats that they can affect every cell of our body. And they cause irreversible damage to tissues due to the way that they're irreversibly formed and because they have a really long half-life. Once these AGEs are formed, they hang around for a really long time and they have this effect to increase ageing and accelerate age-related illnesses. And there's another way that they can be formed, which is a little bit faster, which is through oxidative stress, which is something we discussed in our first Complicated Basics podcast. So if you're interested in why and how um, people can get into oxidative stress, check out that podcast. And that happens much more rapidly. So oxidative stress is another really important issue, which is sort of separate to the blood sugar issue. And then, yeah, they just, they accelerate age-related diseases like diabetes type 2, renal failure. And renal failure is a really important one, which I think we should discuss a little bit in more detail, as well as the atherosclerosis and Alzheimer's and all of the cardiovascular complications of diabetes type 2 and kidney disease are accelerated by this accumulation of the AGEs. Mm. So our body's just burnt toast. Yes, that's right. We are literally burning or we're getting caramelised on the inside and it is not good. Okay. What if you eat a lot of burnt toast? What happens then as an example? Oh, good one. Yes. Thanks, Luce. So if you're eating a lot of burnt toast, is this going to mean that if you're eating more of these AGEs, are you going to have more AGEs in your body? Well, the devil's in the details here as well. So certainly the American Dietetics Association has put out lists of foods that have high levels of AGEs in them, and that includes a lot of animal foods. Foods that are rich in animal protein and fat naturally have got more AGEs than than many plant-based foods by and large. And sort of has sort of made some recommendations about, you know, that, you know, it's one of the reasons why you should avoid red meat. However, I mean, that's an overly simplistic argument. It seems from all available evidence that actually the AGEs that we eat in our food don't significantly contribute to the AGEs in our body. It seems that our gastrointestinal tract is able to absorb some of the AGEs from our diet, like it seems like we can, but we almost immediately start weighing them out and start naturally getting rid of them through our natural detoxification systems. And at any one moment in time, what most of our own AGEs are actually the AGEs that we make. So there's exogenous AGEs, like AGEs that we eat from browned meat, from foods that are just naturally higher in these compounds. And remember, this is a natural process. The healthiest human in the entire planet is naturally making these AGE compounds, but in a way that their body can deal with and that they're able to sort of prevent it and break it down and deal with it in a way that keeps them in balance. That's just normal and natural. It's when the process gets out of balance that we get the accelerated aging and all these problems. And it seems that accelerated aging and the problems with aging is the endogenous AGEs, the ones that our bodies make from oxidative stress and elevated blood sugar, blood glucose. Sorry, we're being super accurate. Yes, it's hard. We, as doctors, we do interchange glucose and sugar 
every day. So to try and, you know, be strict on our mind, it's tricky. It's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, it seems like with a lot of things, I mean, how good are our bodies? They're bloody brilliant. I just can't get over how well (laughs) they've been designed, how incredible, you know, we love the liver, how the liver deals with toxins, how the kidneys deal with toxins, and how we can do things to our body that it will cope with are normal and natural. It's when we, you know, it's, it is that age-old classic of too much of a good thing, isn't it, mm. that is really problematic. We've discussed, you know, one, and it is just one of the main reasons in that excessive carbohydrate or, as it turns out, sugar consumption can adversely affect our health in really, really significant and serious ways. Yeah. So keeping this in mind, Dr Lucy, mm. <laughs> and I think we all know where this is going, how would we advise our listeners to, to protect their health and to limit the problems with, with AGEs? Well, I think it's fairly clear that the problem is excess glucose and fructose found both in, you know, the sweet savouries and in sugar. And so, you know, it is best to keep keep them low to you know you don't have to eliminate again as we've discussed you our bodies are very good at dealing with a certain amount it's just the threshold once you go over the threshold the damage is astronomical so you know again it comes back to that one thing that we always keep saying low carb real food absolutely i came across a new word this morning actually and it was pleiotrophic which means multiple benefits. And I got excited when I read this word because uh, low carb real food, we bang on about it all the time, but it is, it's really pleiotrophic in that it exerts multiple benefits throughout our health and wellness and is including its effect on um, reducing aging through reduced harmful AGE uh, compounds. Mm. And I think it's really, just as a side note, it is important to recognise that ageing itself is a normal and natural process. We don't need to be scared of it. But it is that early ageing that we're talking about. So when we use that word, you know, clearly there is nothing wrong with getting older because if you don't get older, you're dead. They're the only two options. So we want to get older, but we want to get older in a way that it is a is appropriate for that level of age so that you're not at the age of 40 living in a body that is you know the age equivalent of 60 or 70 that's right and and avoiding those age-related illnesses for as long as possible exactly wonderful all right darlings well i think that's probably enough complicated basics for today it has been a delight as always to talk to you mez yes same with you dr lucy good so until next week Goodbye. Bye, everybody. So, my lovely listeners, that ends this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. And I'm Dr. Mary Barson. We're from Real Life Medicine. To contact us, please visit rlmedicine.com. And until next time, thanks thanks for for listening. listening.